Good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There you go. Good to see you this morning. God is good and all the time. If you are new with us, my name is John and I am blessed to serve as the pastor here. And I want to invite you to find your way to Colossians chapter number two. And if I have not had the chance uh, to meet you, uh, my wife, uh, Joy, and I will be right in the foyer as soon as the service is dismissed, and uh, we would love to have an opportunity just to meet you, have a gift for you this morning, uh, and as Carlos says, if you fill out that information, uh, either the printed card or the QR code, we'll send you another gift uh, this week in the mail, hopefully before Christmas shows up. Um, now, this morning, uh, I would say that... Um, well, let, let me just say it again. God is good and all the time. Do you, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Yes, and today we're gonna be uh, partaking of communion uh, at the close of the service. So if you didn't grab one yet, you'll have time at the end. You can go out and grab that. Uh, it's right in the foyer uh, in a moment at the close of the service. But as we think about Christmas, we are in our third week, as Carlos mentioned, of our series entitled Christmas at the Movies. And as I have told you, my favorite Christmas movie, uh, as an adult, I should clarify, has been It's a Wonderful Life. And we've been walking through, just kind of showing short clips. The first week we looked at, uh, we really listened to someone reading the, the book about the Grinch, and we identified that some of you may be in your home known as the Grinch. Who, who's, who's the one? Raise your hand. You're the Grinch of your family, okay? Raise your hand. I would say be proud of it, but you shouldn't be. And we asked this question, or we first made the statement, don't be a Grinch. All of you that raise your hand, don't be a Grinch. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a Grinch. And so we looked in Matthew chapter six and Jesus said to his followers, he said, where your heart, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Matthew 6, 24. So we don't be a Grinch, but we made this, asked this question then, where's your heart? And our heart is revealed through our generosity or lack of generosity. Last week we watched a movie clip uh, from it's a Wonderful Life, and um, how many of you went home and tried to find the dancing dogs after I mentioned it, right? I have watched our clip a few times today, and I have not seen dancing dogs yet. So if, if they appear, we'll know it's our communications director, Jeremy, who's messing with me, all right? Well, we talked about if in this life all we have is the here and the now, that's pretty hopeless. But because we celebrate a risen Savior that is coming back for us, we do have hope, correct? And we have hope in the risen Savior. We have hope in the cross. And in Titus, we looked at it, it says two things. We have a blessed hope and we have an eternal hope. And then we looked at First Peter and we have a, a living hope. And all that is wrapped under the understanding and the truth and the reality that Jesus died for my sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. And he did what? He rose again according to the scriptures. I love this morning when we sing those songs about he went from the cradle to the cross, but the death and the grave could not contain him. What did 
did you immediately start doing? About like that. You're like, I'm, I'm a Baptist. Everything in me says we should celebrate, but my traditions say, huh, I can't celebrate. Right? Did you, get, you guys wrestle with that as well? Okay. So let's pretend this morning that all those inhibitions are gone. And we sing, he went from the cradle to the cross, but death could not contain him and he rose again, right? All right. That is your permission to celebrate when, we, when the scripture is read, when songs are sung that point to the risen Savior because truthfully, without him, it is, uh, yeah. We're, we're all Jets fans if, if that's the case, right? I mean, sorry, Carlos. Sorry, Omar, I, I respect you, I'm not so much over here. In fact, I'll just tell you where my brain is. When Carlos fumbled the card, Jets, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Ask my wife, I said it, right, is he? Ask Sergio, Sergio, can I get a witness? All right. And I promise none of this is in my notes, so forgive me. Colossians chapter two, though, let me give you the context before we get to it and before we get to our movie clip this morning. And, and Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossae. And what has happened, Paul, this is not one of the churches that Paul had started. Many of the letters that Paul writes is to a church that he had started, but this is not a church that he had started. But a friend, Epaphras, had started the church. Epaphras uh, reveals to Paul that the church is falling for false doctrine that they are adding to the gospel. And from all different sides, and we don't have time to completely unpack it, but I'll, I'll kind of give you an overview of it so that when we read the passage, it'll trigger in your mind. There's been Jewish traditions of man, whether that's circumcision or, or baptism or the Sabbath or holy days. And, and so that all of that has infiltrated the gospel. And then from the other side, we have in pagan philosophies and theologies of, of man, that, uh, the, the worship of angels and the worship of spirits and then just modern philosophy has crept into the church and it's as if they're morphing all of this together. And so Paul is writing to theologically correct them. And the main point of it is to say that our sufficiency of our salvation is in the cross alone. That it is Jesus that says by faith, by grace, through faith alone. Can you say amen to that? That I don't have to add the traditions of man, that I don't have to be just right and have my it doesn't button up so well. My suit buttoned up. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about any of those man-made things. It's only about relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants us to understand. And we're gonna hone in on really two thoughts this morning. We've been talking about really one word. Like we talked about heart. We talked about hope. If I have to be one word today, it's, it's forgiveness. But there's another aspect of that I wanna to add to forgiveness, and that is paid in full. Paid in full. And you'll see this morning that these two words, forgiveness and paid in full, the first thing that Jesus would say on the cross, and the last thing that Jesus would say on the cross. Now, statistics say right now that 42% of you guys now I got your attention. 42% of you, okay, pay for your, your Christmas gifts by credit card. Got one identifier. <laughs> I'm looking this way. I'm just right over here. 
Okay, 42% of Americans put Christmas on their credit card. It's no wonder that, did you know that January is known as the Monday of months? Monday of months, get it? Like, who likes Monday? It's the Monday of months. It's the most depressing time of the year. We think about that, right? You get the credit card saying, Christmas was so fun, and I'm amazed at you know, all the presents, and how long does it take? So you have two types of people in the room, two types of families. There's the families that are organized, and you know, they go by birth age all the way up, and they open one present at a time, and it takes forever. And then there's families like mine that say, one, two, three, go, and you open them all up. My brother and I used to sit back to back because we would get the exact same gift, just a different color. <clears throat> and oftentimes I would go open them in advance and think, I like, I like blue better than green. I'd switch them. And the only surprise would be, oh, he opened it after I did and he switched them back, right? <clears throat> I think he was smarter than me. He just switched the name tags. I'm like, whatever. Random thought I had this morning I was putting, you know, I'm, I'm over the age now where I have to wear reading glasses. And I, so on vacation this past summer, I was making fun of my brother, which is normal. Um, but his sunglasses look like this. It's like, dude, fix your glasses. He's like, one of my ears is higher than the other. It's like, what? You're retarded. <clears throat> Look at my glasses. Do you see how crooked my glasses are? One of my ears is shorter than the other, lower than the other. So I texted him this morning, which of your ears is lower than the other? He said, my right ear is lower, or my left ear is lower. I said, oh, well, my right ear is lower. So I don't know what that means. If they could make a glasses, we could switch. I don't know how that works. And I don't even know why I'm telling you this. <clears throat> Think for a moment, I'll get back to the subject. Think for a moment that all of you, 42% of you that put your Christmas on the credit card, just think for a moment what would happen in January if you opened up your bill and someone had paid it off and it was stamped paid in full. Would Christmas be awesome? That would be so cool. That's what we want to think about this morning, paid in full. And as I said, my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. So, of course, I'm going to use clips from that again. But before I, we watch it, let me just introduce it in case you haven't seen it, um, which I'll pray for you. But if you haven't seen it, George Bailey is desperate. He needs $8,000. And $8,000 today would be equivalent of over $150,000, okay, just so you know. And so he's desperate. And the first scene is he's, you know, begging Potter to give him money, would you pay off my debt? The closing scene of the movie. All right, so just know I'm, you know, this is, I'm, I'm giving you the end of the movie. You've had like 60 years to watch it, but anyways. <clears throat> someone, many people pay it in full. So watch, watch this scene. I'm in trouble, Mr. Potter. I need help. Through some sort of an accident, my company shortened their accounts. The bank examiner got there today. I've got to raise $8,000 immediately. Oh, that's what the reporters wanted to talk to you about. The reporters? Yes, they called me up to, from your building and loan. Oh, there's a man over there from the DA's office, too, who's looking for you. Please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you please? 
Can't you see what it means to my family? I'll pay any sort of a bonus on the loan, any interest. If you still want the building and loan, I'm... George, I'm... could it possibly be there's a slight discrepancy in the books? No, sir, there's nothing wrong with the books. I've just misplaced $8,000. I can't find it anywhere. You misplaced $8,000? Yes, sir. Mary did it, George. Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions. Just said, George in trouble. Tell me. What is this? Uh, like it's spread like fair. Another run on the bank? Here I, George. Merry Christmas. There we are. The line farms on the right. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. Wouldn't that be awesome? What song do they sing next? Anybody know? Old Anxiety is one, and then what's the next one? Hark the, angel, hark the herald, I can't say it, angels sing. I'm going to sing it for you though, ready? <clears throat> Just kidding. All right, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start reading verse number 6. We're going to read from 6 all the way through the end of the chapter. I hope by the context which I gave you, it will make a little more sense. We're not going to have time to really deep dive into this, and then we're going to, we're going to circle back and focus on verses 11 through 15. Verse 6, Colossians 2, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is a word to believers, right? As you've received Christ, we talked about that last week, walk in him. And then it says rooted and built up in him, so in Christ, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And here comes the warning, right? So he's writing to correct false theology. And let me just say this for a moment. If you ever hear these words from someone say, I have another gospel, or I have a, a greater gospel, or a new gospel, or a more glorious gospel, if you hear those words, you should have warning lights going off in your head. Because we have the gospel. We don't need another gospel. We don't need a better gospel. We don't need a more glorious gospel. God has given us the gospel and revealed it to us in his word. Do you agree with that? And so this is what Paul would say, beware of these things. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world. 
And so he's, what he's saying here is, that, you know, not all philosophy is bad, not all tradition of men are bad, not all principles of the world are bad, but he says, and he finishes by, not according to Christ. So anything counter to Christ is wrong. Do you agree with that? Okay, and that's what Paul is stating. Verse number 10, why, or verse number nine, why is everything outside of Christ not valuable? He says, for in him, that's in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God was, uh, Jesus was fully God and Jesus was fully man in him. Verse number 10, and you are complete. What is the next two words? You will see that in him or in Christ over and over. You are complete in him, meaning I don't need extra rules or regulations or religion. What I need is relationship, that I'm complete. Everything I need for salvation, for forgiveness of sin, for my debt of sin to be paid in full was completed in Christ. And if I am in Christ, then I am complete. My salvation is full. I don't need anything else. It's not gospel plus this. And then it says, who is the head of all the principality and power? Verse number 11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision with, made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him. What's the next two words? Through faith. It is faith that saves us. It's not circumcision. It's not baptism. It's not the Sabbath. Is he going to get to later? It is faith in Christ alone. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I don't have to be good enough, that Jesus was good enough. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. Oh, this is really good here. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Isn't that good? When I placed my faith in Jesus, he made me alive. Forgave me all my trespasses. Verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You see the three action steps in those few verses? Having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out your handwriting requirements, having nailed it to the cross. The next one, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival of a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So it's not the festivals, it's not the Sabbath, it's not the circumcision, it's not the baptism, all of them, the substance, the reality, the fullness of my salvation is in Christ. Again, I would say, I don't need religion. I don't need rituals. I need relationship with Jesus. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. So again, here's some of that false doctrine, the worship of angels, introducing to those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast. So what he's referencing here is people that would say, I have a new vision from God. An angel came to me, and this is the direction in which we should go. And if you look back over the history, the last several hundred years, you will see a lot of the cults and false doctrines, false religions come from one man saying, I had a word from the Lord, contrary to scripture. And Paul, all these years ago, was warning us, don't follow that person. Why? Because they don't hold fast to the head. And who is the head of the body? Jesus. 
It's all in Jesus, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the word, again, if you believed by faith, you were saved by faith, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to all these regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religious religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Paul is reminding the church, Paul is reminding us today as we read this letter, the sufficiency, the completeness of my salvation, my standing with God is in the finished work of Christ on the cross. It's not grace plus, it's grace alone. I'm saved by grace alone, and I'm thankful for that. Three things I wanna point out this morning. I'm gonna give you them uh, up front, in case you're taking notes, it may be helpful to have them all in front, then we're gonna walk back through these. Again, focus on verses 11 through 15. Number one, this completeness, right? This completeness of my salvation in the finished work of the Christ on the cross. Jesus forgave my past. Aren't you thankful for that? Not only does he forgive my past, he forgives my present. Because if you're like me, you probably needed forgiveness today. Can you say amen to that? Spouses, can you? Never mind, we're not going to do that. Number two, Jesus paid my debt. All to him I owe. Jesus paid my debt, verse 14. Number three, Jesus destroyed my enemies, and I'm thankful for that. Number one, Jesus forgave my past. In him, verse 11, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Right? This is talking about, as, as, as Moses would talk about in Deuteronomy multiple times, the cutting away of my heart, my flesh, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh. Verse 12 Buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him. And how, what's the key words here in verse 12? Through faith. Verse 13, we've already read this, the last few ver- words. Having forgiven you all trespasses. God's gift of grace and forgiveness is only available through the cross of Jesus. The first words that Jesus would speak on the cross. What did he say? Father, Forgive them. And now because he is on the cross, he can forgive us. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived a sinless, perfect life so that he could be the spotless, perfect sacrifice. So he could offer forgiveness. Jesus forgave my past. Jesus forgives my sins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the uh, tech team off. We're going we're gonna to skip down to, to point number three. Okay, so we, we, have, we have the best tech team, so I know they're going to be right on top of it. We're skipping two. We're going to get back to two, okay? Number three, Jesus destroyed my enemies. 
All right, so look at verse number 15. Number three, Jesus destroyed my enemies. And we're not gonna take a long time. I just wanna highlight this and, and, and move on. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And, and Second Corinthians would tell us, so in, in the New Testament, six times we're gonna see this phrase, principalities and powers, and it always references uh, demons or demon, demonic angels, demonic beings. And, and for us to realize that there are still demonic beings that will try to steer us in the wrong direction, all right? Now, we don't like to talk about it in church and for obvious reasons, but the reality is there is a spiritual warfare going on. Paul mentioned the spiritual warfare. Uh, oftentimes it's mentioned, but what we have to understand, what Paul is teaching us, what Paul is revealing to us this morning in this spiritual warfare is that he has disarmed. He has taken the authority away from the wicked means. In fact, Corinthians mentions, Corinthians mentions that, that if the demons knew what was going to happen when they crucified Jesus on the cross, they would have not crucified him. Because what this signified was that Jesus had power over death, hell, and the grave. And the cross of Christ not only sealed my salvation by grace through faith, but it also sealed the fate of the demons. And you can read about it in Revelation chapter 20. They will all be cast forever and all eternity into a lake of fire. Can you say amen to that? And what does the scripture say? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And although we have a spiritual warfare we realize that Christ in us has already defeated them. And in Christ, they have no authority over you. Christ has authority over them, and Christ is in you. You can say no to Satan, to the power of Jesus Christ who dwells in you. I'm thankful that the cross of Jesus destroyed, put at bay my enemies, and one day they will be wiped out. Can you say amen to that? Let's go back to number two. Jesus paid my debt. Verse number 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which is contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. We've already looked at he's forgiven my sins, past, present, and future. But now Paul is using this financial transaction, this financial terms to, to symbolize and to signify what has actually taken place at the cross. What the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross does for anyone who places their faith in the cross, who places their faith in the shed blood of Jesus. Now, as we started this morning talking about debt, do you realize that every one of us was born into spiritual debt? The wages of sin is what? The payment, the debt I owe because of my sin is eternal separation from a holy, righteous God. Unless we think for a moment, Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all born into sin because of Adam's sin entered into the world. And because of his sin, I'm born guilty before God. And the truth is, if it would have been me in the garden instead of Adam, I would have chose the same thing he did. That's just us. We are sinners by nature. And we owe a debt. 
And when Paul talks about this writing of certificate of debt, of erasing or wiping out the handwriting of, handwriting of requirements, what Paul is, and specifically in the context, the readers, the, the ones that would have listened. So these were most often circular letters, and the pastor or someone who's going to get up, and they're going to read this letter from Paul to the church, and then it's going to go to the next church and to the next church. And what every one of those listeners in the audience would have understood was exactly what he was saying about this handwriting of requirements. I've wiped it away. I think it was Charles Stanley where I, I first heard about this illustration that in this period of time that when they would write a, an IOU or a debt, then someone would write that on a piece of paper and they would write out the debt. And so let's just, illust- by way of illustration this morning, illustrate this is, is my sin debt. It's written out for all of you to see. And in, in that culture, what I would have done is I would write my certificate of debt, and then I would have signed it. And then you know where it would go? Outside of my house, pinned up for everyone to see. How would you like for all of your uh, credit card statements to be visible for all to see? Anybody? All right, so as, as I think about this, let me write this in here. I can't see with these glasses. Sin. Sin. Gossip, adultery, greed. And when I think about adultery, what did, what did Jesus say in the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount? If you've had lust in your heart, then you've committed adultery. For all have, what is it? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so they would, they would post this on the house. Of course, in that day, in that period of time, the, the ink that they would use didn't have the acidity that would allow it to actually adhere to the paper. And so what then they would do was when the debt was paid, the one who was owed the money would come to the house and what would they do? They would wipe away all of the debt. And when we look at this understanding, I right, go back to the, the, the first question there. One of the first questions to ask you this morning. If you were one of those ones that puts your Christmas on the credit card, wouldn't it be awesome if someone would come wipe away the debt for you? These glasses betrayed me. This is a Sharpie. Here's the dry erase marker. So what Paul is picturing here is what religion does for us. We can come in and clean ourselves up, right? Can I clean myself up? I can't. I can look better. Maybe everything's not so obvious. But I can't really clean myself up. Religion is hollow. I don't need religion, I don't need rituals, I don't need rules, I need relationship. And what Paul is saying to us is that what we need is the blood of Christ, right? We need the blood of of the cross, and without the blood, what does the Bible say in Hebrews? Without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Remission of sins. 
so I can cover it up, right, by the blood of the cross. And any form of religion that doesn't involve by grace alone, through faith alone, it may clean us up, but the stain of sin will still be there. And what we need is the shed blood of Christ. Jesus' blood cleanses us. My question for you this morning is very simple. Have you had your sins forgiven? Have you had your debt paid and your enemies destroyed by placing your faith in Jesus? It's the blood of Christ. And guess what? My name's still there. Jesus saved me. I want, to, I want you to close your eyes for a moment this morning. And this morning, maybe you're trying to wipe away all the filth with religious duties and religious rituals. And today could be the greatest day that you could realize this morning that no, it's not about religion, it's not about rules, it's about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you through three steps. If today you wanna say, I place my faith in the cross, I place my faith in Jesus, you need to do these three things. First, the Bible says we need to admit that we're a sinner. Right, we just quoted that, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. I must admit that before a holy, righteous God. Then I must believe that Jesus died for me. God so loved the world. God so loved you. He gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I'm gonna admit. So right where you're at this morning, if this is resonating with you and you feel this tug in your heart, yeah, that's what I need to do. Right where you're at, you admit. You tell God right now, right where you're at, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. Right now, right where you're at, God, I admit and I believe. The third step is to confess. Jesus, I confess that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the only way. That the payment on the cross was sufficient. I believe that. I confess that. Admit Believe and confess. If, if you took those three steps this morning, I'm just gonna ask you real quickly, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Just raise your hand right now, right? There's a couple right there, I count two in the back. Anyone else, just raise your hand. Admit, believe, and confess. There's a third one, fourth one. Anyone else, just put your hand up. Put it up high, it's, it's dark in here. All right, there's two more. Anybody else? All right, you can put your hand down. The important thing is not that I see you, trust me. If you took those three steps, the Bible says you have been adopted into the family of God. You've been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, that your sins have been forgiven, your past has been forgiven, your debt has been paid. You are a child of God. Can we celebrate that this morning? Amen. You can look up for a moment. 
And this morning, we're going to partake of communion, as I mentioned earlier. We're going to do it a little differently this morning. I want you to have the freedom to partake it. Maybe you want to take it right there in your seat. Maybe you want to gather in the aisle with a few of your family members. Maybe you want to come down to the altar this morning and partake of communion. What I need to tell you, though, is that communion, when, when the Lord instituted this in the upper room with the disciples and he revealed to Paul what had happened that night, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, who is supposed to partake of communion? I think it's my responsibility to tell you that the only ones who are supposed to be partaking of communion are followers of Jesus, that you have come to Jesus through the shed blood of, of Christ on the cross. Not only that, Paul gives a warning that in fact, he says at the last part of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 that some of you have been sick, some of you have even died because you are not taking this, this, this understanding of communion seriously because they were living in sin. So for you to partake of communion, you need to be a follower of Jesus and you need to be walking in fellowship with Jesus. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're we just got the, the, the music just barely playing in the background. You have your communion cup already. If you haven't, in a moment, you can go back and get it. But we're just going to sit in silence and let you pray. Dad, this would be a great time for you to lead your family. Lead them to prayer. And, and again, what Jesus said is, oft as you do this, do in remembrance of me. This is an ordinance of the church that points us to the cross the sufficiency of the cross. So right where you're at, you can pray. If you wanna to come to the altar, you wanna stand, you wanna kneel, you wanna get in the aisle, it's on you. If you're by yourself and you just wanna sit alone, that's okay, right where you're at. And we're just gonna sit, and in a moment, the worship team's gonna come lead us through a great song. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the cross of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that those that place their faith in you today, that you would reveal to them the next step in their journey, that they would have the courage and the boldness to tell someone. God, I pray in the next few minutes as we circle up with some people Maybe we're just wanting to sit alone and be with you, whether it's coming to the altar, but Lord, you would just allow us for a moment to live in the gratitude and the gratefulness of the cross that it is sufficient for my salvation. Again, you can get up, you can stand, you can get in the aisles, you can come to the altar, you can sit. Just in the next few minutes, you, you partake of the elements on your own. Okay, in your own timing, you take the bread and then you take the cup.